It's threat level midnight. <laughs> threat. There's a level. It's a level level threat. <laughs> now we have a fun episode today for we do. you. We do. Uh, actually, it's a real treat. So if you've if you've never heard of John Lovell or the Warrior Poet Society, uh, just so you know, the reason we're having them here on the Fierce Marriage Podcast about marriage, about gospel centered marriage, is because John and Mrs. Poet, they are long friends of ours. Really, mm-hmm. I've known John for about fifteen, sixteen years. Yeah, you're one of his best men in his best wedding. Best man in his wedding, and he yeah, he was a ranger in the army, and he went on to start this YouTube channel that has kind of become this phenomenon, talking about what it means to be a warrior poet. Right. And so we asked them to come on to the podcast to talk about what it means to be a defender of mm-hmm. each other to be a protector as a husband or and how to be how to be wise as a wife in terms of just the dangers of the world but not only that but spiritually speaking how right. do we protect our marriage how do we protect and fight for each other we talked about also we went there we talked about kind of a christian ethic of guns and and what that means and and, and we kind of were all over the board a right. little bit because it's, we're such good friends with them yeah and it's a little bit of a different episode but what I really appreciate about it is how it really highlights kind of the fierceness of, of Jesus and how he is the lion and the lamb and he is, Mm. he is warrior commander Jesus, but he is also the one that says, let the children come to me. Right. And so this, this episode really encapsulates everything from one end of the spectrum to the other. And it was really great, obviously to talk to our friends, but um, I think we think it's going to bless you all as you listen um, and maybe even prompt you to ask more questions and dive in deeper. Mm. Uh, in understanding Jesus. Like we said, we are good friends with them. So the conversation was very lighthearted, very fun, but uh, we also learned a ton as you'll, as you'll hear um, in, in both of them, that God is big in them. They Mm. have big faith. And I really look up to John for many reasons. And so anyway, we hope this episode blesses you and uh, yeah, enjoy. Welcome, John and Mrs. Poet Lovell. We are so hey excited to have you guys on the podcast. It's been hey, a long thanks. time coming. Yeah, how are hey, you? Yeah, we're good. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, so you you guys are all the way down in the in the dirty south, right? <laughs> You're in the Atlanta area, as right. I understand it, Georgia. And but we know so so John, we we you and I met a little backstory. A little bit of backstory is because people listening to the Fierce Marriage podcast, they probably might know who what the warrior poet society is, which we'll, I'd love to have you guys kind of fill that out for us. Cause it's incredible what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But John, we actually met when you were in the army still. And we went to, I think the first time I really got to know you, we were at a Denny's or a Sherry's or something. Do you remember that conversation? I do. I do. Man, that was forever <laughs> ago. 2019. Yes. No, what was was it 2003? It would have been 2003 or four around there because I was still a janitor and in college. <laughs> Dude, have we been buddies for 15 or 16 yes. years? Yes. That's You're like... so old, man. <laughs> and gross. Oh, yeah. On that note, funny, fun note is that you're actually exactly a year older than me. So you can't actually say oh, that. You have the same birthday. Man. We have the same gotcha. birthday. Yeah, but I'm like, I'm, I'm younger at heart, really. Oh. And... <laughs> So though I, I retain, I remain somewhat of a father figure to you oh. because of my age. We're, I am more like kind of a weird heart, uncle, so. actually. A weird, like a weird uncle. uncle, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so anyway, I, I want to hear like more about Warrior Poet Society. What got what? Where this all came from, and just really kind of fill in our listeners. I feel like that to me is a term that just elicits curiosity. So let us in. What is the Warrior Poet Society, and what are you guys up to? Sure. So it kind of was an outgrowth of what I do for a living. I'm a tactical firearms trainer, so I travel around the country. That's my real job. I just 
Moonlight is a Z-list YouTube celebrity, (laughs) way down there. (laughs) But my kind of real job, the thing that pays the bills is uh, traveling the country, and I teach tactical pistol, rifle classes, room clearing, night vision, all all that kind of stuff. So my former background is an Army Ranger, special operations, all all that jazz kind of flowed into that. But within within the gun world, I, I just saw a lot of kind of chest beating that male bravado mm. i'm tough as nails kind of mechanized machine whatever and thousand yard stare john rambo stuff and you can tell i'm like <laughs> man that is so boring and it's so not true i've been around the most dangerous dudes in the world and they're just normal dudes you know and when you're done training or you're done kicking indoors in the middle east or wherever you happen to be hanging out uh you're going back to your families and just like normal people, you're trying to be better husbands and mm. better dads and neighbors and uh, whatever. I mean, uh, co-workers, employees and bosses, whatever you are. And so it all was just a little bit of crap. <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> Warrior Poet is kind of, it's, it's an appeal to those who have a little bit more of a protective mindset. Uh, who also want to be well balanced of like, yeah, Mm. I I would like to excel as a defender. I am a protector, right? And so for us, there may be a martial arts context there. They may be like fire or medical EMS. There may be uh, more of the gun world like I have. But anyway, we have that warrior spirit, but it's coupled with the ethos of the poet. Uh, William Wallace is kind of an iconic figure that that kind of it, it's a good representation where we're we are lovers of truth and people and kind of defenders of both. So what falls under that, those categories is kind of anything and everything that's just real normal living. So on our YouTube channel and website and all the other social media places that we're putting out content, I mean, the the content, the subject matter is really varied. I mean, we may be going over home defense stuff or mm something philosophical we may be talking about marriage or raising kids or hey this is the best holster for concealed carry and here's some quick shooting tips of how to manage recoil better and here's some tips for soldiers so you never really know it's really broad and really deep which makes it we can have a lot more fun with it but holy oh, cow yeah. i just got real tired of my own voice so quick <laughs> someone else say something it's all good it's all good no i was just going to ask uh mrs poet who she yeah. is going to go by mrs poet for this podcast um tell us a little bit about your and john's relationship maybe where you guys met how you met how the lord brought you guys together um maybe your engagement a first first few years of marriage some of those struggles you faced uh yeah just kind of give us a background of of your family and how you guys all came together sure okay uh well we met in college and john kind of blew into town as the older <laughs> college student who was <laughs> fresh out of war so he was driving a harley had a beard and all the guys are like, whoa, I want to be this guy. And all the girls are like, whoa, I like this guy. And so I wanted nothing to do with it. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't on board with this program. Um, But he uh, eventually convinced my boyfriend of two years to break up with me so he could move in for the kill. That is totally not true. (laughs) This is juicy. You need to strike this from the record. (laughs) 
<laughs> we're not totally sure of the motives behind them, but that did happen. So uh, then we kind of had a whirlwind romance. Uh, we're engaged, what, after three, four months of dating and then got married after five months of dating. So mm-hmm. uh, it was quite the whirlwind. She was hooked on the level. I hooked. didn't, man, yeah. I should have seen go. it coming. <laughs> is, is that how it was? Yeah. Because, okay. I remember, I I remember how, when you proposed. It was oh, so really? romantic. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, no. we actually, I, I remember flying down to Atlanta that to be That was one of our craziest wedding. trips. Or yeah. Savannah. Yeah, that was wild. Beautiful and amazing. And then we had to drive all night because you got the time wrong on the on the flight. Yeah, that's your fault. <laughs> no. <laughs> we thought it was like a six PM flight and it was like a six AM and we had to drive like four oh hours all night. Oh my gosh. Stop at a waffle house for like breakfast and, so, and everything. Oh. Yeah. No sleep. It was the worst, but it was the greatest because we got to see you guys. A woman with way too much eyeshadow and whiskers served me waffles at the waffle house. Oh man! Um, but yeah, that yeah, I remember that. So we we spent all night cutting a rug yep. and like dancing and partying with you guys at your wedding. And yeah. I actually have I have a big regret about your wedding. I don't know if What's I ever that? shared this with you with you guys, but I thought you know because I was 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 I forgive me. Me and Evan were both best men, right? <laughs> yes. yes. I couldn't decide between you and so I'm like, hey, you know what? This is my wedding. I can have two best men if I want. And so I'm like, (laughs) fine, Evan, you can either battle it out in a kind of like a Joker death match or or you can share the title. So, yeah, you were my best man for sure. Yeah. Okay. And so I was at some point I was like, I'm going to do a toast or like, you know, I thought I was going to have an opportunity to do a toast or a speech for you guys. Oh. And apparently that happened at like the rehearsal dinner. So uh-huh. I didn't, but I didn't like take it, take you up on it. Cause I was like, Oh, I'll just say it tomorrow at the actual like wedding. And then it never came. And it's like oh. one of my life's biggest regrets. <laughs> okay. You need to do a toast right now. So right now I want the toast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? Um, yeah, so, I'm gonna log that away. <laughs> right now, I'm raising my microphone. Say something amazing. Uh, oh man, I told you. See, I can't do. I'm not. I'm no John Lovell. I can't do this. I can't. I can't be on the fly like this. I'm no Tom Cruise on a, on a motorcycle. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, that was that was a fun memory. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a lot of memories with uh, actually. Uh, John, you remember the road trip we took across across the country? We you can't, literally you can't have went that. like ocean to ocean. That was an yes. epic road trip. I think didn't we go like Montana to North Carolina without stopping? Uh, yeah, no, there was a very critical stop in there, and I'm, I'm actually kind of hurt that you forgot about the stop. Oh wait, Mount Rushmore when we almost got arrested. <laughs> we almost got arrested at Mount Rushmore. Okay, this is an incredible story. It's like one of my favorite stories is that we we're, we're driving, of course, you being, you know, the original <clears throat> warrior poet, not, maybe not the original, but a warrior poet in a line in a succession <laughs> of warrior poets. You had guns always. But I think you had like, you know, an assault rifle, you had your P229 that SIG P229, I think. Do you still do you still have that that gun? Um, no, not anymore. But yeah, I had guns. See, my picture of you ago. needs to evolve. A long time I, we haven't ago. hung out. And anyway, <laughs> we had all these guns with us. We're driving through. We we <clears throat> we went specifically the northern route to see Mount Rushmore. And we had these uh, 
<laughs> we had these postcards that we were looking at that showed it all lit up at night. And and I remember thinking distinctly with you, and we, we had this conversation, it's a national monument. They're open all the time. Look, here's pictures of it at night. Surely it's open all the time. <laughs> and so we roll in at like 2 p.m. and everything is just shut down. It's this tiny little town. Everything's shut down. And so we think, all right, we drove all this way. We're going to go see this monument. And so we drove up the exit. And at that point, the ranger saw us. I yeah, seeing- still, let's pause here. How could we have known? How do you close a mountain? <laughs> it's a mountain and you closed it. What do yeah. you mean you can't just see the mountain? We wanted really simply, we just wanted to stand in front of the mountain and mm-hmm. have our picture. That was all. Very so reasonable. In our Very defense, reasonable I thought it was reasonable. I'm still sticking to that. But anyway, it was closed. We drove up the exit ramp and got in trouble. Go ahead. Well, yeah, and this ranger pulls up, or he's like a park ranger. He pulls up, and we're getting our, our coats on because it's super windy, <clears> super cold. And so we're outside of the truck and he, you know, ominously pulls up with his headlights and says, hey, you know, trespassing on, on federal lands is, a fe- is it's a federal offense, all this kind of stuff. And we're like, hey, we're really sorry. We just want to see it. No, nope, we're not trying to cause any trouble. He goes, well, I got to ask you, do you have any weapons? <laughs> and I remember you're like, actually, I have a shotgun, a assault rifle and a P229 locked and loaded in the console. <laughs> and his face went white. And he goes, I'm going to need you to take all those out and disassemble them and put them on the hood of your car or whatever. I, I might be embellishing the details here, so correct me if I'm wrong. But and so he's like, I'm going to have to call this in. And you're like, hey, you know, I'm really sorry. Again, I'm not trying to call, cause trouble, but I'm just getting out of the army. I was a ranger and I'm, we're driving home to, you know, Savannah. And that's when like he was starstruck all of a sudden. It's like, yeah, he's like, the, what? You're, you're a ranger? You know? I had the ranger sticker right there. And so, yeah, he got yeah. starstruck and that saved our butts because we were totally going it down a very dark path. Yes. So like, yes. What happened next? I remember he was calling it in and we were like, dude, what are we going to do? This guy's going to, you know, put us in jail. We were kind of going through the scenarios and like, now nah, he's not going to do that. And so we you and I are talking back and forth and we see him talking and then all of a sudden he 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 poked his head up and said, "I'm going to need you to pull your weapons in the back of your truck." Uh, I called this in. Um, I'm going to let you go for now, but I actually called my buddy. He's going to turn the lights on for you and I'll escort you yes. up to, to see the, the monument. Just <laughs> yeah, like his this personal attitude, escort. His attitude completely changed from you're going to jail. He was very upset. To, yes. <laughs> Here, let me. I mean, we got literally, he led us up the steps. He turned on the lights to the mountain, got down on one <laughs> knee, framed it, gave us a little adjustments. He was all in. It was just dramatically awesome. changed difference. I'm like, that yeah, is awesome. And as we're approaching Mount Rushmore, like it's, I can remember so vividly the lights because they're like these big, big, huge halogen lights or whatever are slowly illuminating the mountain. It was like this big dramatic thing, way better <laughs> wow. than we could have ever done on our own. It was awesome. A private tour just for committing a felony. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. I don't know what, what crime it is, but it's not good. Anyway, good times. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So that was a bit of a detour, but Mrs. Poet. So how do you, as kind of the female counterpart to the warrior poet and, you know, all the videos that, that are, you know, that are produced there. I mean, was this a challenge for you to get behind or is this something that's kind of, you you know, it was a it was an easy fit for you guys. I know that it wasn't always your, your, your kind of your full time gig. So how have you guys navigated that as a couple um, to get behind? I guess the similar mission, regardless of what that mission is. But in this case, how did you guys get to the place where uh, you're in unity over it, or are you constantly having to fight for unity? Yeah, I think it's really naturally evolved. Uh, I think maybe about two years ago, when John really started traveling a lot more full time, it became real to me a real issue of. I need Mm. to think more about defending myself, how to protect myself and the kids when he's gone a lot. 
one of my goals is to help women to think more about themselves and their safety and the safety of their kids, because there's so many times that women are just caught unaware of their surroundings and all the mm. trouble that that can cause. So, but it's, it's fun. It's gone from John uh, kind of annoying me. I took it as annoying at first of, okay, babe, just let me get five minutes. I need to show you how this works. This is a safety thing. If you'll just do this when I'm gone and I'd be like, oh, fine, I'll just walk over there. And now it's come to the point where if he gets goodies in the mail from companies, I'm like, what's that? Do you need that? Or do you have two? Can I have the other one? Well, they send it in blue. So it's come as far as, uh, yeah, we're, we're in this together. He's He's still definitely the lead, though. <laughs> That's awesome. So I want to dig into kind of what you guys are actually doing within the Warrior Poet Society and the ethos behind it, even a little bit more, because and not we're not going to get political, but I do know that there are some worldview, I think, differences, you know, especially we're in the Northwest, which is like this very liberal place, right? Mm-hmm. And the, you're in the South, which is not as liberal. I know there's probably pockets, in mm-hmm. big cities and stuff, and we have pockets of not so liberal places as well. But typically being liberal is associated with any like basically pacifism, right? Pacifism, mm-hmm. I should say. And there's also teaching in the Bible that is more pac- pacifist, right? Or there's a, there's a, I won't say that there's teaching in there, but there's definitely that interpretation of it. So can you, I guess, tease that out a little bit? What does it look like? Um, or what role, I guess, uh, what, what sort of mindset does one need um, to be ready and prepared to protect just someone in general or to protect their marriage and what uh, in the Christian worldview, where do guns sit and where does gun violence sit and why does it sit where it sits? And where do you guys stand on that as you're training people? I do these multi-layered questions. He does multi-layered these multi-layered so, questions. So pick, pick one out of there. <laughs> okay. Very good. Uh, so first off, I'm careful to define warrior poet as a, uh, you know, term that really spans back generations. I don't own it. I just, trademarked it <laughs> so um, did you really yeah, I mean, awesome. warrior poets have been around for ages and ages and that's a real cool brotherhood and fraternity so really it is a uh, far more uh, i guess wider uh, worldview accepting so you could be an atheist you can be a buddhist you can be christian you can not care either way of so even your underlying theology really what warrior poet means to me and the the many people in our community is somebody who lives for something bigger than themselves you're not just trying to be john rambo commando to be the baddest man on the block there's a goal in with that of like hey listen i love people and i love them so much that i would like to be able to protect them against stuff i'm built as a protector. That's my deal. I'm not looking for a fight. I just want to be able to protect people because the world is a dangerous place and I'm ready to sacrifice in the defense of them. So that's really kind of what it uh, goes in. So the movement is secular. Warrior poet is secular. However, I am definitely a Christian. So and so really, Mm -hmm. I come at things from a Christian worldview, even though the term warrior poet is something that that is far wider. And and I'm really vocal about my Christian belief because it just so much, uh, not so much, everything flows out of that. Most important question somebody can ever ask is who is God and who is man? And and that's it. Everything you do, everything you think in my my belief flows out of those uh, two things. So uh, that was the first question. Ryan, you, you talked about how guns sit with biblical theology. Were you going there? Did I understand that right? Uh, yeah, let's go there. 
That sounds All perfect. Right, Did anyone oh, else want yeah, to get in we there? Heard that. Yeah. I get self-conscious when I feel like I talk too long. No, no. no go for it. Great. All right. Very good. Uh, well, yeah. So uh, I, I want to be like Jesus and Jesus came uh, with a very specific mission in mind. And that was to die as a sacrifice uh, for the atonement of man. It was basically God stooping to reach out. It was a rescue operation. It wasn't a raid. It was a rescue operation. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, we see a non-judging Jesus, right? I didn't come into the world to say or to judge the world. He came to save it, right? When he, uh, in Revelation, we see a different mission unfolding, and that's different. That's Armageddon stuff. Jesus didn't come to judge the world the first time, but he is coming the second time to judge the world, according to Christian theology. And so you see sharp double-edged swords in Revelation 19 to, you know, and you see, anyway, riding on a white horse at the front of the armies of, the, of God. You know, Jesus is mm -hmm. the commander of the Lord's army. He is General Jesus. He is War Captain Jesus. And I believe it with Theophanies or more properly stated Christophanies, you see Jesus before incarnation walking around uh, the Old Testament, like when he appears on the fields uh, of Jericho before the fall of Jericho. And, and that, mm -hmm. that's what most theologians would classify as a Christophany. It is God appearing to man as the second member of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, before he had put on flesh. So he looked like flesh, but wasn't flesh. You know, you see him walking around in the garden. You see him of, among the three visitors appearing to Abraham. You see him appearing to Gideon. Uh, you see him appearing to Samson's dad. You see him all over the place. But you, you see that, you know, I think to, to look at God in only the aspects that we want to write large and at the damage of ignoring other aspects is not to understand God rightfully. It's to build a caricature of him. So some people would like me all warrior and to shut up about God stuff or wife stuff yeah. or kid stuff. John, just teach me guns. You're good at guns. Teach me guns. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but that's not me, man. I'm yeah. Guns. All right. Sure. There's warrior, but I don't live for warrior. I live for poet. I live for my family. I live for, uh, for those out there that would like to make an impact on the world and do better stuff and help people of that's what I live for. Uh, it's, it's not just, hands it's soul it's mm. spirit and so that's a big mm. deal to me and so i think we can do that with, with god as well is to center in on the aspects that make us comfortable and ignore the ones that make us uncomfortable uh but i mean you see the world at war and it is a godly thing to be a protector of the innocent as god himself calls himself a warrior uh exodus 16 and he, he you know he stirs up his might he goes out like a mighty man of war he calls himself a warrior you see king david the greatest worshiper in the bible with all the psalms most of the psalms he wrote he's also the bible's greatest warrior with his body count growing to tens <laughs> yeah. of thousands so you see god's hand resting on soldiers and war captains and centurions and you even see you know an entire nation getting killed this is the exodus the israelis after they had uh left egypt and were flowing into the promised land and it's not like they were just lost in the desert for 40 years they were serving out a death sentence on death row in the desert and their crime was they refused to go kill everybody in canaan that was their crime they refused to have faith in god 
to believe that they could go back and retake their homeland, but they were afraid they wouldn't go to war. And because of their reluctance to go to war, then, yeah, it was a death sentence then of like, right, you don't have to go home. You can stay in the desert for the rest of your lives without your home if you don't have the courage to go take it back. You know, this is a bunch of theology that I think makes people uncomfortable. But when when you have a grasp of it, uh, mm. I, I think it, it paints a pretty good warrior poet picture. So my Christian theology has done great amounts to inform what a warrior poet is, though I don't hold mm. everyone else to that exact worldview. But where does that, I mean, wh- where does the New Testament leave us? And that's that's what I want to get to, because I, you know, if you read the Old Testament, especially the Pentateuch and I'm just finishing up numbers. I mean, there's some really troubling things in there and it's good, right? And that's, I need to wrestle with those passages and mm-hmm. it's been very fruitful in making me understand God's goodness and his and His holiness and his, his full character. Right. But the New Testament, it's a different dispensation. It's a different kind of, um, it's the fulfillment of the covenant. So much of that covenant that we we're talking about in the Old Testament is fulfilled in Christ, um, at least the Abrahamic covenant and the, the Davidic covenant and some other different things. And and we're seeing covenants still be fulfilled. So I guess my question is, is where does that sort of mindset in this dispensation of grace be under you know the lordship of Christ, people that follow Christ or disciples of Christ today, what place does violence have, right? When do we fight? When do we turn the other cheek? How do you guys wrap your head around that? Great question. I did a very unpopular YouTube video, meaning it got a lot of downloads. <laughs> People just didn't understand it. But I was trying to wrestle with that exact subject of, hey, when is it time to, you know, meet violence with violence? And when is it time to, you know, turn the other cheek? If somebody just comes backhands me and be like, I don't like your face. Let's let's do violence. <laughs> Cause that's what criminals say. Let's do violence. <laughs> you know, hey, I, you want to get together and do violence later? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, I think maybe if I was strong, you know, and I wanted to wreck that person forever, uh, and give them something to think about forever, turn the other cheek. Holy cow. That is a strong man. Yeah. I could beat him up. Yeah. I could kill him, but no, turn the other cheek. What love, uh, what a way to conquer someone. That's really cool. Uh, however, what if, you know, they've got a, they're wanting to rape and kill my uh, wife uh, or, or, you know, kill my family. Hey, now's not a turn the cheek moment. I'm entrusted to them as their protector. Now it's time to meet violence with greater violence. So, uh, you know, and I think it'd be very unloving of me to stand by and watch the torture of my family. And, and I, I, you know, so I, I think some people are called to be protectors. Like in Romans 13, Paul even, you know, recognizes this point that, the sword violence has been given to the state to fulfill right and so soldiers and and cops if like you could at least easily extend that to them of like yep there's still a place for it yeah you notice uh folks came up to john the baptist soldiers came up to john the baptist and asked john the baptist hey Hey, John, the Baptist, last name Baptist. (laughs) Hey, John, what must we be doing? You know, and and he didn't say, hey, stop being a soldier and killing because that is a bad profession. It's thou shalt not murder, not kill. Uh, But he didn't tell him to stop being a soldier as if that wasn't an okay profession. He just said, hey, don't extort people and take from people. That, That was his stuff. Who was the only person in the New Testament who Jesus marveled at their faith? It was the centurion, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It was that dude who was the leader. He was the war captain, soldier of soldiers. And then you even see Jesus 
Jesus isn't some spectator on battlefield lines. Jesus is literally front in line commander of the Lord's army in Revelation 19. Mm. And I already mentioned Jericho. So you see that as well. And you even see glimpses, just little glimpses of Jesus being, you know, that war captain coming out where he sees what's happening in the temple. Uh, that ticks him off if this is my house. And so he goes and he he makes a weapon, a premeditated weapon. So he had time to think about it, made a weapon. And what? how ferocious and horrifying would you have to be to actually have people to leave all their money and worldly goods behind and run for their life? Hmm. I mean, a, imagine a modern day market. You know, hmm. you came out. I'm imagining like transfiguration, something horrifying for people mm -hmm. to spill their tables and leave. So what you see is a war captain Jesus coming out. There's a neat place in the early part of Revelation. And, and remember, Jesus didn't come to scare everyone. Jesus didn't come as a uh, war captain, but Jesus is certainly war captain, right? Uh, he mm, yeah. put that aside as a rescue operation. But when he comes back, it's not to die on a cross. It's, it's end of the world stuff. He's leading an army. So mm. th that's there. Now, there's a really cool place in early Revelation, maybe chapter two or three. And the Apostle John is seeing this vision of uh, heaven and somebody else who's kind of like his tour guide to the celestial realm. It says, like, look, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And that's what mm. heaven saw is a lion. But when John looked, he didn't see a lion. He saw a lamb looking as one had been slain. And so mm. that that's interesting. I mean, like. John saw a lamb, but everyone was looking at the same thing in heaven, and they saw, you know, C.S. Lewis's Aslan. They saw a <clears throat> mighty, terrifying, sharp-toothed lion. And so Jesus is warrior, poet, lion, and lamb. Mm -hmm. He appears to us as lamb as he's beckoning us with his loving sacrifice. But make no mistake, Jesus is no... Jesus is who powerful demons shake in fear when they behold him. They mm. beg him not to torture them because no one is stronger than a horrifying Jesus who created the world and guards it by his power. I'm going to be honest. I'm always, you know, my tendency and my personality and what I lean towards in the Bible is the loving, peace-promoting Jesus that wants marriages to be good, wants families to be good. And I think when we don't, which I think all that's I don't true. Think, yeah, I'm not. I'm not then sure. talking. I know. I know. Um, <laughs> I just said that I don't want to sound like you, you didn't actually think that anymore. No, I do. Yeah. That's all true. But I do think we we do God His power a disservice when we don't see who He is entirely. When we only read, you know, the New Testament, the easy letters in the Bible versus like Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Exodus, all of those where the battles are happening, where death is, is very prevalent and where war mm. and fighting is taking place. I think we, I think you guys are bringing such a good perspective to understand that the gospel is dividing yeah. <laughs> and there are parts of it that are very hard for even believers, I think, to swallow. I know that I struggle with things and I am so grateful for voices like yours to be able to unpack this, this not uh, like, I, I don't want to say other side of Jesus, but really like more of who he is and what he looks like, because you're right. He, he is that commander. He is leading that charge. He is the one on the horse. Like mm -hmm. he is, yes, he is our, our savior. And he's, he called the children to him and he rebuked people and he, he taught, you know, the masses, but he was also this 
this defender and this protector. Um, and so I just, I'm so grateful for that perspective. And I think it really, it makes me a little uncomfortable well, to hear. Yeah. And I know how people are going to hear it, but I also feel like there's so much to be gleaned by, by digging into it. I feel it. like our tendency is to go, we, we, we're very bad at being kind of like nuanced about these types of things, mm -hmm. right? We either want to go toward the, you know, the, you know, the, the, the really soft version of Jesus mm -hmm. where that there's no sense of the warrior side or, or we want to go all over to the warrior side and we're like, yeah, God is like wrath or mm -hmm. God is our defender. And that means that people need to get out of his way or, you know, and that thing, all that's like, he's both, right. There's, there's both to it. And that's, um, I, the lion the, and the lamb. one of the most prevalent <laughs> cultural examples that I can think of is that people will say, Oh, God is love, you know? And, and therefore if, and what they really mean to say is that love is God. And what they mean is like, whatever I feel like love is, I deserve that thing. And that mm -hmm. plays itself out in, in society a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. But that's false. Love is not God. God is love. Yes, but God is also just. God is also mm -hmm. holy. God is also like mighty sovereign. and yeah. sovereign and bigger than us. But we so quickly want to bring him down to our level mm -hmm. and make and give a caricature of him. I think, as you guys said mm -hmm. earlier, I just want to emphasize that this is a very nuanced topic. Mm -hmm. It's not like, I, I know that, you know, patriotism has its place, but I am first a citizen of heaven before I'm a citizen of the United States. And what that means is my master is not the president. My master is, is Jesus. He is my Lord and my savior. And because of that, that's why I'm asking these questions because I still, and I, and I want to push back a little bit, John, and feel free to speak to this too, Mrs. Poet. Um, where, what, what role does this have in a Christian life? So specifically speaking, I know we talked in theoreticals, like if someone breaks in and tries to hurt my family, oh, for sure, I'm going to just ruin that person. But like in general, where, what, how can I have a godly perspective on this as I'm operating out in public at my, on my job? or at church or wherever that place is. You want to tackle it in this poet? Or you, want me to... <laughs> you start and I'll fill in. All right, very good. Well, I mean, I, you kind of answered it already. If like, hey, somebody, if somebody breaks in my house during the day, they may be after myself. They come in at night, they're probably after us. You know, that, and that, and you said it yourself of like, you break in my house at night and my family is sleeping there. Man, I am their protector and they're going to see the lion. But my kids don't see a lion. My kids see a lamb. It's all tickle fights and reading with them. And, <laughs> Most and people smiles. see that part of you. I'm just going to say. Yeah. <laughs> tickle fight. <laughs> so, I mean, and, and my wife as well. I'm not a bully to my wife. I, I'm, I'm sensitive. I'm going to, don't you dare. I, well, we've been watching, actually. <laughs> my eyebrows went up a little. <laughs> we've been watching something on Netflix that's, Pretty damning to the warrior poet. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, it might be a lifetime special on Netflix. I would never, <laughs> I would never forgive you if you say this publicly. Okay. So uh, it, anyway, I mean, I, I'm I'm vulnerable with my wife and my kids and and my deep friends, and I'm not trying to bow up and do the chest beaten, you know, war veteran, blah blah blah. And you're like, yeah, boring. No, 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 no. I've, it is all in balance, and most of life is a no-shoot scenario. I'm mm -hmm. not, I'm not shooting people a lot, you know. That's probably. The but I, I think love protects, and some people are called to that more so than others. I, I mean, right. God made, God made me a certain way, and I am called to do a certain thing. I mm -hmm. can't see, I can't help that I see sight pictures, and I, 
I see the world in geometric warfighting angles. I can't turn it off. I see the world in, in, in security and defense. And I think, you know, if God's called some people to be that way, then don't judge us. Let us just be the way God made us to be. You know, King David was famous because he killed the baddest man in the, in the land. You know, that, that's, and he killed lions and bears before that. David was a dangerous dude, and he got more and more so dangerous. And so mm. people are built different ways. Selena, you don't have to go get an AR-15 and drop leg holsters and body armor and don your protective vest. You don't have to do that. But I like those things. So uh, <laughs> I think the key is is to, if you're if you're called to be a protector, you know, you, you, and you mm. want you want to capitalize on that of like, I'm a man, I believe I'm supposed to protect, provide, and lead uh, a lot of other stuff, but those are some pretty key points there. And so mm-hmm. uh, protection, I think, you know, it, it extends to a whole bunch of stuff. That means, hey, have health and medical insurance. That means, you know, balance of budget. That means have alarm right. systems, but uh, hey, right. get, get some jujitsu and learn how to shoot a gun. You know, if I am a protector, and so um, I'm not looking for a fight, Ryan. I, I don't want to fight. I, I, I've had enough violence. I'm not looking for violence. I can confidently say that I've hugged you way more than I've punched you. So. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Hey, I just had a funny memory. Okay. Can I commandeer your podcast for a Oh, absolutely. Memory? Bring it on. Uh, yep. Maybe- Okay, uh, we were doing some uh, high-speed rappels and some Aussie rappels off a bridge. Yep. Do you remember this? Oh, I have and pictures. And there was Matt yeah. there as well. And yeah. we did this later, and we recorded it. Man, I would love if we could find the video. Uh, but we uh, <laughs> clipped in this, like, I don't know, like a 12-foot rope to my climbing harness and then the other end to yours, and we'd stand shoulder to shoulder, and then we'd look at the camera, and this was just us being absolute morons for no reason, <laughs> just purposeless morons. Just we were doing it because we are dumb. Uh, side, and then someone would say one, two, three, and then we just sprint, not run. Listen, oh, that's listen, right. Listen in, listeners. We didn't run in different directions. We sprinted in different directions. And God. invariably, what would happen when we both reached the end of our rope, at, literally end of our rope, uh, it would just have this. You heard it every time on the video. It's like, <laughs> I, I can see it in my head. You're with the, the whiplash. It just yeah. folded us up like lawn chairs. It was so dumb, but we just thought it was so funny. Oh, man. I remember going climbing up uh, Snoqualmie Pass and doing, uh, I think we were ropeless at one point. And I, no, we I had a rope and I did a dyno. And then we did the we did the big rope swing as like a hundred foot rope swing off that bridge. Anyway, we could reminisce and go on and on. That so people are probably times. wondering, okay, what does this have to do with marriage? Because <laughs> we're well, there's a lot of themes happening. I see defender, protector, yes, um, you know, fighter, and for tr- not just for life, but for truth and for understanding who Jesus is, which is what we talk about mm-hmm. all the time, and really stepping into those roles of husband and wife and what that looks like. Um, but I guess what what would be some ways to, and I think Mrs. Poet should speak up to this as well, that we can protect our marriage first and then, and maybe some tangible ways, but what are some ways that maybe you guys of uh, protecting your marriage from outside threats? Um, and then how do you guys protect your family? And that doesn't have to necessarily mean like, mm. you know, guns or how you protect 
like physically, but now you're layering questions. Sorry. (laughs) Maybe spiritual protection is what I'm trying to go for. And, and, and yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, one thing we always safeguard is date night. We're getting out at least twice mm-hmm. a month for that. And we've even done a video on that. I think we called it um, love is not enough. And so mm-hmm. we were talking about, especially families like us with young kids, how these years, um, even babies and toddlers, of course, much more labor intensive than older kids, but how it just saps a lot of your emotional energy. So we've made a commitment to be on a date a couple times a month, minimum, a really good month is every week. Somehow by the grace of God, we're getting out and just laughing and he's being husband and I'm being wife. And, uh, you really get to just see each other again. Um, in those eyes you had years ago, because we've been married, uh, 12 years now. So, um, it's, It is a friendship that we keep working on and finding this in common. You know, I kind of came along to Warrior Poet Society, like I'd said earlier, this has been a natural evolving thing. And before this, we were missionaries. Before that, we worked in the business world. Before that, we were just college kids. So we've made the effort these 12 years to pursue each other's interests and come Mm -hmm. alongside each other, whatever that looks like in whatever season. It's good. Yeah. John, any thoughts on that? She kind of nailed it. Kind of <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I'll be honest. Of like, yeah, I probably have things to add. I was really just watching her talk. <laughs> yeah. so, I should have been thinking, oh, I should, I should uh, contribute something about it. But she sucked me in, hook, line, yeah. and sinker. Well, uh, how do we protect our family too? No, You've good. been really good about reading and. Oh yeah, uh, wrestling boys. So and... you, so all that kind of falls under quality time. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some provider aspects that I think are important. That mm-hmm. hey, I mean, that's practical. How do I protect my family? Of well, I mean, make sure you're bringing home the bacon. Be good at your job. Get all the insurance things you need. And she's got a safe car and not going to break down on the side of the highway. <laughs> So I'm probably thinking a little bit more protector no. here. Uh, we need to oh, that's uh, good. definitely uh, be praying for our spouses all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, be real careful with our words so that we're not tearing them down. It's just so easy to have kind of a crappy day or uh, for me where I'm frustrated, not getting stuff done or I'm dealing with who knows what else or our kids have been transfigured <laughs> into little tiny monster gremlins that are sapping <laughs> Miss Poet's energy. Uh, and you know, we snap at each other and we're jerks. And so we got to, I think to be married is to constantly be repenting and apologizing to each other. Mm -hmm. And if you're not saying you're sorry all the time, you are the problem. You're You're the problem. You're an idiot. (laughs) You're an absolute idiot. If you're not apologizing all the time, you're either Jesus and you're not, you suck. Jesus is awesome. Uh, or you're just wrong. You're the problem. So, uh, Mm. uh, we got to kind of live in repentance and yeah. Well, and I love that you guys were talking, you're talking about how you instruct um, your boys. You have two boys and how you're instructing them. There's a lot of messages out there, especially for, for boys. And how do you guys instruct them in terms of being, you know, a defender, a provider or a, a leader? How, you, how do you guys intentionally choose to instruct and, and what do you expose them to? As you were talking, uh, Miss Poet and I kept saying, you you and we were pointing at the other one no you take it uh so right now they're five and six years old 
And what I don't care about is introducing them to guns or teaching them any type of fighting stuff. I want my little boys to just be little boys playing with sticks and building forts and learning to read and loving reading where that's probably mm. our biggest educational goal is we want to foster a love of reading for them. And if we do that, I think we've, we've probably done all we need to, or like that's the big piece a love of mm. reading, at least academically speaking. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, they're learning how to wrestle each other without hurting each other. Uh, that, that That's yeah. real good for just kind of their socialization and development. Boys are good. meant to get outside and get their wiggles out, as Nacho Libre would say, and, and run <laughs> wild a little bit and explore and cut a new trail and, and learn about their own strength and how it balances with softness. And I think okay. that's all real good. So really right now, we're not in the become a warrior mode. Just be little boys. And mm. uh, we want to protect that. Mm. So uh, probably awesome. not the answer you're looking for, but that's what nope. I got. No, that's great. Perfect. <clears throat> that's why we great. asked. Yeah. Yeah. Because no, we have two little girls. Yeah. And, and <laughs> just, we, just checking in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, just we'll, checking uh, in. Just, yeah. Taking inventory. <laughs> you guys better not be screwing up our boys' future wives. Don't you screw this up, right? Oh, no, it's just a matter of what coast are they going to live on. It's the biggest issue. What coast are you going to live on? Right? <laughs> Choose life. Choose life. Um, yeah, no, as you're talking, I, I, I remember um, somebody, I think it was a pastor at one point who said there's four P's, the, the roles of a of a husband. And the fourth one is troubling. So bear with me, but it does have <laughs> it does have uh, context. It's, you're a priest, you're a protector, you're a provider, and you're, this is the weird one, the penetrator. <laughs> and the reason why, and so you can kind of, you can get, gather what the first three are, but the penetrator one is like, you're really the one that's actually getting at the core of the issues. That's more of like a soul, like mm-hmm. you're actually asking those questions that are getting down to the underlying and you're actually breaking those emotional walls down and, um, you know, creating those bonds with your family. Um, I will say this, we've had a, I had an epiphany moment as a husband. And I think this, honestly, this warrior menta- warrior poet kind of mentality kind of came through in my role as a husband, I think more than ever at a time when we were experiencing some hardship with our extended family. And we had a lot of kind of things unfolding, a lot of drama. And it was starting to bleed over into our family and hurt our family. And I looked at my dad and I said, Dad, I'm sorry, I love you. But right now I'm putting a boundary around us. And you're not in it. <laughs> and yeah. this, this is my nuclear family. These are the people I'm called to protect and to provide for and to love. And I am going to protect them by not allowing you in here for just a, a little period of time. And Selena saw that as a incredibly loving act. It mm-hmm. wasn't easy, mm-hmm. but it honestly, as, as a husband and a man, it was extremely liberating to realize, wow, this is, this is what it means. And that we're in the world. We're not of it, but we're also, we're in a sense, I'm, um, in some instances where I'm protecting from that and I'm isolating our family from the world. It doesn't mean that we're living in a bubble, but you think, I think you get what I'm getting at. So this attitude is very pervasive. And um, I think protecting in that regard, emotional protection, um, spiritual protection, uh, protecting the health of your family, you guys in your marriage, you talked about that and dating. Um, So this attitude, and that's what I love about, it's not just about guns. It's not just about karate. (laughs) It's not about taking Starla home at night. (laughs) Uh, oh, wow. you get that Napoleon Dynamite reference. Napoleon, yep. <laughs> For people who are wondering. Um, yeah, it's about it's about loving, I think, more 
um, maturely, I think is what it comes down to mm-hmm. and not being afraid to actually do the hard thing if it's in the name of, of protection and love. Yeah, we could we can go on and on. So with that said, I mean, you guys have a ton of resources. I feel like you do a really good job of equipping your audience. You've amassed an incredible audience just in like two or three short years. You guys have been up to a lot of stuff. Clearly, you're doing something well. Where can the Fierce Marriage listeners, say a husband or a wife, go to learn more about kind of this ethos and what it means to to do what you get, what we're talking about here? Where can I send people? Sure. I mean, Warrior Poet Society in Google will probably get you to our (laughs) YouTube channel. Uh, YouTube is really the main place we're putting out content, but we got a website. I just put another blog up last night. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. So you can put in my name, John Lovell or Warrior Poet Society, and we'll pop up pretty quick. But uh, Mm -hmm. YouTube's kind of the main place or our website. That's awesome. Well, John, I appreciate your friendship. Mrs. Poet, yours as well. It's been an honor talking to you to you guys today, but it's also more of an honor just being able to watch from a distance as friends, people who have this context. So thank you for bringing uh, all your wisdom mm-hmm. to our podcast and to our listeners. And uh, man, I can't wait to hang out with you guys again, hopefully soon. And of course, uh, the West Coast is always here for you. It's always here <laughs> for you. you mean the best coast? The best coast is always oh, here for man. you. So just, you know Thanks what? for having just, us. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to give you some more crap about being on the East Coast, but whatever. No, I was already <laughs> saying we've gone ahead of you to prepare a better for place for you in Georgia. We're ready. There it is. I hear you can buy big houses down there, but I what, what did I say last time? You actually can. You actually can. Anyway, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks again. I right, love All you guys. Right, Bye. All right, friends, I hope you've enjoyed this special episode of the Fierce Marriage Podcast with the Lovells, a.k.a. Mr. and Mrs. Poet. If you want more information about the Warrior Poet Society or John Lovell, you can Google either of those terms or find them on YouTube. Other than that, we'll see you in a few days. And until then, stay fierce. Thank you for listening to the Fierce Marriage Podcast. For more resources for your marriage, please visit FierceMarriage.com or you can find us with our handle at Fierce Marriage on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. We hope it's blessed you. Take care.